salutations and shit motherfuckers welcome back to another episode of travel and shit your travel no your new favorite travel podcast isn't that what i say every week you think at episode 47 that i'd at least have the intro down right i'm your host d carrie and um here at travel and shit i discuss more of the why of travel more of the what was learned from travel and um, not so much of the how-to, but um, definitely do visit the how-to when it becomes necessary. Um, thank you again to last week's uh, guest, Mickey, all the way from Shanghai, China. She promptly FaceTimed at 6.30 a.m. her time. I actually like mornings, but not exactly when I have like shit to do. Um, so I can appreciate someone going the extra mile in the a.m., so um, definitely check out last week's episode. We talked about all the incredible things that I learned during my short time spent in Shanghai. Um, and for those of you that have been listening, thank you for fucking with the kid. To all of you new followers and new listeners, welcome. I hope you uh, enjoy the ride and shit. So um, don't forget that, t- not Taji listeners, but travel and shit listeners are getting 20% off new digital subscriptions. I don't know how much longer the promotion is going to last, but it's actually right on time for what I believe is uh, volume 20. Um, Taji Mag is a, not just digital, they do have print um, copies, but it's, you know, a digital magazine. I want to say it's done quarterly. I know it's not like monthly or biweekly or anything like that, but um, it's a magazine for us. It's focusing more on reclaiming our narrative and focusing on all the beautiful black imagery. It's got black contributors of which I am one. I contribute um, travel articles and a really, really dope uh, group of other black folk that are writing and submitting art and photography. And um, I really love the creator and the editor, Nay, and she's a good friend of mine. So definitely uh, shout her out and support them over at Taji. Um, use your code travel and shit and, um, you know, 20% off of your subscription. And it also, you know, supports me because I love Taji. So thanks for that. Um, okay. So let's just jump into it. This is going to be another short and I say short with air quotes because I think the last time I said I was doing a short one, it ended up actually just being like regular length but um yeah this one is another I guess I don't how should I phrase it this is this is for you guys because this week my dms have been quite active uh there seem to be quite a few different things that the uh collective as uh the friend zone uh host use the term y'all seem to be questioning the same shit and I mean it makes sense is it's in response to what I had in my stories and different things that I've posted over the course of the week so um to begin with I am so surprised that you guys are so surprised by Airbnb prices um quite a few of you guys responded like are these prices real like is this real like how did you find this I literally opened Airbnb. I put in the space that I was looking at in particular was Cambodia. So I put in Airbnb. 
uh, stays. And I just put in Cambodia. I didn't even specify dates or anything. I just hit search and the first house that came up, of course, is a beautiful picture. It's, um, I guess you could say a luxurious pool. Um, here, I'll do it again for you guys. Like the, it, a couple of you, and this wasn't just like one or two of you responded. You, you can find incredible accommodations for the low so many places. I think that the majority of us equate travel and accommodation pricing based on what we spend for things here in the United States. And that's where, um, that's where we fucking up. So I definitely was guilty of that before I started traveling. That was a very large hindrance to why I didn't travel. It was because I assumed that everything was cost comparative. I would spend, you know, or if you're looking to visit somebody in, you know, North Carolina, for example, they want like 175 to stay at a Marriott for the night, right? Um, so you think, okay, well, it's in the city or it's nearby, the family that I'm visiting, or, you know, there's three nights of this family reunion and this is supposed to be like the group rate, so I'm going to go for it. But you, I guess many of us will think that just because that's what we're spending to stay someplace here in the States, that's what we're going to be spending outside of the country. And it's so, 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 so not the case. Now, let me preface that by saying that it's not the case in um, countries that aren't first world countries or case cases or countries that, um, in my experience, I've only spent premium in Europe. That's where, and I still got hella cheap shit in Europe as well. Um, I'm just going to go to my trips and I'm going to tell you guys how much I've paid for the different Airbnbs that I've stayed in. So let's go all the way back to the first one, which was actually May, 2017. Shout out to dates. I stayed in Casablanca for, I want to say 22 hours. And let me see if I can find... show listing. Here we go. I had a private room in the entire house. This is the first, this was my first Airbnb experience. And this was also, um, the first time I stayed in a, um, what do you call I shared space, right? So, um, it was $52 a night and make sure you guys follow on Instagram and I'll actually do a post where I, um, put like, a really good photo of each of the different places that I stayed at in Airbnb so that you guys can see what I'm talking about. So that was in Casablanca, $52 for the day. Then I booked a room in Nashville. Ooh, here's a travel hack. When you want to stay in an actual, say you're staying at a resort or some shit like that. I went to Vegas, right? This was during my, uh, no hair, don't care tour. Uh, shout out to Shaw for the title or the name of that. But, um, I ended up going to Vegas and I didn't necessarily do Vegasy things. I'm not a gambler. I'm not really a partier and shit like that, but I'm into the outsides and the natures. So I definitely wanted to do um, Grand Canyon, Antelope Canyon. I had a uh, horseshoe bend, but apparently someone got hurt. I think somebody died that day. They had it, they closed it off and people were being sent away the time my bus got there. So I just did all the outdoor shit, right? 
And I stayed at the Stratosphere and I think it ran me $150 for two nights, three days. But I wanted to stay one extra day because believe it or not, I actually went out there during Memorial Day weekend. Well, actually, I wanted to. Well, yeah, it was Memorial Day weekend because I wanted to come back that Sunday um, night. But if I were to have extended the room by one extra day, it would have ran me an additional $150. Like the one day alone was going to cost an extra $150. And I only needed the the room so that I could basically leave. Um, I just need the bed because my flight was going to be, I think it was Sunday night or it was like Monday morning or some shit like that. So it didn't make sense to me to spend $150. What I did was I booked an Airbnb nearby the hotel because I ended up leaving my bags at the uh, like the, you know how some, well, some hotels will allow you to do, they have a bag drop room or they have a area where they hold bags. And of course in Vegas, that definitely was an option. Sometimes you, you fly in and it's too soon to check into the hotel or, you know, you don't want to stay there, um, past, you don't want to keep the room past the checkout time, but you have a ton of shit left to do for the day. So utilize bag drop. You can check out at 11 a.m. and then your flight can be at 9 p.m. or midnight or whatever. And you still have the entire day to do what it is you wanted to do without your fucking luggage. So um, I ended up leaving my luggage at the bag check at the Stratosphere, took a day trip and I came back there, picked up my luggage and took an Uber to the Airbnb uh, that I had saved where I spent spent this one is actually showing $40 a night I actually had a credit on or I think I had money in my PayPal or something like that because I know I definitely didn't spend $40 but $40 is so different from oh no this was Nashville I fucked up I'll go back and tell you what I spent at uh, Vegas, but in Nashville, I remember this one. So I went to go visit one of my best friends, Dell. Hey sis, how you feeling? Hey Lucy. So I went to um, visit my best friend and that was the beginning of my no hair, don't care tour. And it was easier to get to the airport myself as opposed to uh, Dell waking up her daughter um, and trying to drive me to the airport with a sleeping seven-year-old, six-year-old at the time, you know, at like three o'clock in the morning, right? So I ended up spending like that $52, which was just another bed, like just a room in a larger house. So that was, again, United States, so a little bit pricey. Um, Here it is, Vegas. Uh, let's see, Vegas ran me private room, $28. And that's the one I think I had like money in like one of my accounts that I paid for. And I, I know I didn't spend more than like $16 or something crazy, but that's definitely something to consider if you want to extend your trip, but like booking on like a weekend day or like a holiday day may run you twice as much as what you're paying or like the costs are exuberant, just consider leaving your luggage there and then staying the night someplace wild cheap airbnb all you need is a bed and a shower that's it you don't need like comfy accommodations because you ain't staying there um in la i had the best time i ended up making really good friends with my host along with uh roommates and stuff that he had there the i think i was there two nights that was another pretty pricey one. Like it's showing $60 a night, but again, it's not 120, it's not 
227 at a fucking hotel. So um, in Cuba, this is where I can like, I guess it's a testament to, what do you call it? Uh, things being cheaper in other countries. I had the entire house to myself. The place in Cuba ended up having um, two two levels. It was the whole floor with like living room, kitchen. I think it was two bedrooms, but I only needed one bedroom and um, the bathroom, right? But the roof was, I don't want to say like furnished, but there was a, what do you call it? A hammock. There were lounge chairs, tables, and um, there was like a canopy over part of it. It was beautiful. So I definitely enjoyed that. But the entire house, when it's, and it said that breakfast was listed, although it wasn't when I got there, um, was only $30 a night. So entire house, $30 per night. And it was walking distance to the beach. It was walking distance to um, Wi-Fi Park. And it was also walking distance to shops and banks and restaurants and tons of shit um, to do. So that was the entire house that I had in Cuba. I also had a different apartment where I stayed more closer, where I stayed closer to city center. I was in Havana exactly. And I had the entire apartment again. It was um, a bedroom. It was, there was a terrace walking distance to the center of the city. I spent $24 a night, y'all. $24 entire apartment to myself. So Derek in particular had uh, messaged me, what's up Derek? Messaged me about going to Cuba. And he was saying that he was looking at Casa, Casa Particulars and that they are, you know, rooms and large, you know, a room in a shared space. And I'm trying to like tell you guys, just click on entire place. Like when you go to explore, you can go to the search bar and you can put in anywhere you wanna do. So let's put in Cuba and it'll give you a drop down. Cuba, Cuba stays, Cuba experience, experiences, Cuba, I'm touching shit. Um, I had it right here, but yeah, it gives you a whole list of things and you just go to um, stays. It's that simple. And when you, at the top of it, it says uh, filters, work trip, guests, dates. Go to fucking filters, scroll up, and it says type of place, entire place. Click it, boom. You can change the price range so that if you don't wanna spend anything more than $30, say, let's put it first for, it's stopping at $28. The entire place between $10 and $28, it is showing over 300 options, y'all, in Cuba. Okay, so from there, you just have to narrow it down to the area that you want to stay in. That's, of course, going to make the difference in the price. Um, when I went to Rome, let's say, Europe was the most expensive area that, I, that I've been to, but not necessarily for lodging, but more so for the shit that I wanted to do in terms of if I went eat, you know, things I wanted to eat, clothes and trinkets and stuff that, you know, I um, took back and I ended up having the entire apartment to myself. And this is more expensive than the other spots. It was a really cute apartment. One bedroom, had a living room, kitchen, uh, bathroom, and I spent $72 a night. 
So Rome cost well, a couple more coins. Well, a lot more coins compared to Cuba. Uh, let's see. Tromsa in Norway was also a little bit pricier. Again, it was... The, okay, yeah, this one was $61 a night. But when I tell you this was like one of the best experiences I'd ever had, one of the best experiences I ever had. My host was incredible. Tone was such a sweetheart. Like she was very accommodating and very um, just paid very particular attention to making sure that everything about the stay was very um, comfortable for me. So thank you to Tone. And that one was $61 a night. I think I stayed there for like two nights. Um, in Cartagena, I spent, I want to say four days, like four nights, $34 a night. It was one bedroom that had two, uh, full size beds. I want to say, or queen size bed, let's say queen size bed. They felt pretty large. Um, living room, kitchen area, bathroom. That was, what did I just say? Yeah. $34 a night. And it was in the middle of everything. So for me, like that was one of the more expensive spots in the air, like for um, Cartagena area. But it was like in the center of what I wanted to do. Like I knew that it was close to everything that I needed to be by. In um, Peru, I stayed in Miraflores. And this one was actually like a third story walk up. But the host was incredible. And I ended up um, also being near really good food and other things to do that only ran me $38 a night. Oh, also had a, like, um, a large terrace, like not a terrace, but like outdoor space, um, three chairs, tables. There's like a grill. There's like green space. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. I just wasn't there long enough and it was cold as fuck. So Airbnb y'all. Oh, and as the last one I'm going to put is the one in Bali. You, many of you guys saw that shit. I did a, um, uh, what is that? Uh, stories. I did a tour on my stories and that ran me. Did I spend that much? I could not have spent that much. Okay. Yeah. So the prices definitely also the prices may change. September is showing $70 a night. And then October is showing $55 a night. I know I didn't spend that much. Let me see what I spent because. Okay, so it ran me $190, $190. Let me see what the receipt says. How many nights did I stay? Four nights. Yep, so it was four nights in a boot. It was $42.12 per night for me. So um, yeah, you have to check the times that you're going. So the price definitely went up while I was there. And um, I mean, went up since I was there. But Airbnb is wild cheap, y'all. I was really, really shocked that so many of you guys didn't know that it was really that I want. I keep the word cost prohibitive is what's coming to mind, but that's the exact opposite of what I meant. Um, it's really affordable. So if you're looking to go someplace and you think that you don't necessarily have enough money to go, I would say 
definitely look look for things. You can look into the whole Expedia price line doing the whole, um, you know, bundling. But then look into how much does it cost to just fly out there and then how much does it cost to stay there because they're two separate things. If you've got points, if you've got miles, consider that you can book two separate one ways. You can use your um, your points or your miles to get you there and then pay for a flight to get back or whichever way is going to be less expensive. Then look into a fucking Airbnb. You don't have to spend $172 a night to stay at a Marriott. I personally think a Marriott is a Marriott is a Marriott wherever you go. Only thing different is going to be the language and the, um, you know, the foods possibly that they serve when you go there. So, um, again, accommodations do not have to be expensive. Um, another thing, a lot of people always ask, oh, can I go with you? Or let me know when the next trip is. And I am. I guess part of me is like flattered that you want to travel with me, but I also know that those are just kind of empty requests for the most part. Half of y'all don't really want to travel with me. It's just kind of something to say, you know, starts conversation and I'm all for conversation about travel. Hence a fucking travel podcast. This is what I'm doing. Yeah. So I'm all for saying, Hey, can I go on the next trip? And I'm always going to say something towards, you know, a positive affirmation or like, you know, something kind, but honestly, y'all, I travel solo. And here's why I travel solo. I have found from my experiences traveling with other people, because of the way that I travel, I spend so much more. Well, Mm, I can't necessarily say so much more because there are things that you save money on when you travel with people. But when it comes to food, I spend so much more when I travel with other people. For the most part, I'm good on one or two meals in a day. I don't necessarily need a breakfast. If I can get coffee, I'm happier. If I have like a lot of shit planned for the day, I could go for breakfast. It really depends on the day, whether or not I'm going to do breakfast or I'm going to feel more comfortable or not with breakfast. But if I get a good dinner or even just a good lunch, I don't need the other. If I got a good lunch, I don't need a full dinner. If I got a good dinner, I don't necessarily need a full lunch. I can snack along the way, or I can just say, okay, I'm hungry now. And then I'll get something that'll give me leftovers later in the evening. When I traveled with, um, Sarita, Hey boo, we spent so much fucking money on food. We went for like breakfast every morning. Um, we went for, we found this place that had like incredible, like bar food, if you will. So it had really good craft beers. Um, they had good wings. They had good, uh, everything was actually good. It was the bear place. I can't remember what it is. It was something bear, the grizzly bear. I don't know. I took like two pens from there, but um, everything was so good. But you sit there and you're talking and you're having a good time and then you're getting more drinks. You're getting another, you're getting another round. You're getting another round. Let's get more apps. Okay, let's get dessert. And $125 per person later, uh, did I, that could have been my budget for the next three days on food. So I prefer going, um, that for me kind of is like, ooh, a very kind of turns me off to traveling with people. Also, I 
can say though, in the cost-effective section of it is of course accommodations. You get to split that cost. If you guys are going to share the room, you don't have to spend the $50 per person a night. It's now $25 a person per night, whether or not you're sharing a room, whether or not you're sharing an entire place. Either way, um, that of course is cheaper. But if you are not exact, for example, Sarita's a shopper. So we spent so much time in the city. Now she didn't take my cards out of my wallet and swipe them for me, but the more time I spent in the city, the more time I spent in these shops and boutiques, the more money I spent. Whereas if it were just me, I probably would have taken my ass home and poured a drink and watched some shit on TV um, after doing whatever hiking or excursion or activity we had planned for the day. So it's more of the um, little ways that you can spend more money when you're with other people. Um, other than saving money on accommodations, many times when you travel with someone, um, even your activities are cheaper. I've found recently over the last couple of months that there are now quite a few upcharges for solo travelers. Um, I didn't see them at all prior to, I want to say the trip. I didn't book any excursions in Rome. So that wouldn't nope there were no upcharges when the last time I was in Europe I didn't notice any upcharges when I did the um the Northern Lights tour or um and that was the only thing I think I actually booked when I did the Euro trip so before then and since then I hadn't seen any upcharges but as of late especially when I was in Bali there were so many. And even when I when I before I chose Bali, I was torn between India and Bali because I was considering going to the Taj Mahal and all that shit. There were so many options that said, you know, like if you go on Viator or Expedia to look at it, activities, it'll say starting at like forty two dollars, starting at sixty two dollars. So you click and then that's for that's the price for, say, a group of six or a group of eight. And then you look to see the price that they're going to charge you for a solo person. And niggas want like 170, 250, 360 for the excursion. And where I appreciate you giving me the option to say this is worth that much to me, I'd like to book it and continue going through with the process. I appreciate that shit because I've also run into different apps that will not let you book for solo travelers. And they require like a minimum of two or better. So that can get kind of pricey when you are traveling by yourself. Now that I've seen that there are more, um, you know, upcharges for solos. I get it. It is, you know, not exactly as profitable for the tour guide or for the host or whomever is running the activity because they got to do all the same work for one person versus, you know, a little bit more work possibly, but getting paid for like maybe five extra people. So whereas I understand it, my pockets don't really like it. So those are like pros, cons of traveling with people from my perception. And for me, it's worked more so in my favor just going by myself. I'm also not exactly, oddly enough, as I'm sitting here and explaining these things to you, I don't really like explaining myself. I know it's strange, it's weird, but I like to just figure some things out in my own time. Whereas when you're going on a trip with other people though, those are 
like you have to have some kind of planning session or you'd have to a meeting of the minds, if you will, depending on the type of people that you're traveling with. Do you intend to do X? Do you intend to do Y? Are you doing this one? Are you spending this much? What all, what's the plan? So for me, I like just figuring it out as I go on my own without having to sit down and consider somebody else's feelings, somebody else's wants. I live by myself and it just is, you know, I guess commonplace for, in my mind, for me to um, just do traveling by myself as well, because then it's just the same shit I would do at home while I'm abroad. And it's like every time somebody asks, oh, how is your trip? And you start, especially like coworkers, how is your trip? So you start telling them about the trip and they're like, wait, wait, so you did this all by yourself? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, oh my, and then, then all of the, the shock and the awe and it's, in my mind, I don't see it as anything shocking and causing of awe, but it, because I live by myself, I do my normal course of life alone. So it's kind of like, well, why, what's the surprise when you do the same shit someplace else? So if somebody can fill me in on that, I'm all for other opinions, you know, little drops of, yeah, I don't know secondary secondary thoughts but for me it just never seemed like anything um like a big deal another thing one of you guys uh dm'd about was being afraid to travel um you know it was kind of in like a follow-up conversation we were having about uh can i travel with you all the people that i've been asking to go you know don't really follow through You'll say I'm doing X, Y, and Z, and then it comes time to plan, and then oh, I can't get off, or oh, I don't really got the money. It's all the songs and the stories, and I mean a lot of them are, of course, actual factual. But it's just like, all right, well now I can't go because I was waiting to go to go with you. You don't have to wait for someone else to go, but if you're afraid of traveling, that is, you know, a good reason not to go. So one of the tips that I suggested for this young lady was that she try a nearby destination. If you're afraid to travel by yourself, try going someplace that's really not that far. Um, someplace you know that, God forbid, something happens, something pop off, your people could come get you. So first place I left, I had actually intended to go to Martinique, which is much further than Bermuda, but I ended up going to Bermuda. And something that kind of made me feel a little bit better about going on my first solo trip was, God forbid something happened, I think it was a three hour flight away, my mother could be right there and come bring my ass back. So it was close enough that if anything were to go wrong, um, my family could get to me or I could get back home uh, relatively quickly. Also, you don't have to go on a two week trip just because you get two weeks off from work doesn't mean you got to take them both at the same time. Even if you can take a week off vacation, you know, a week off, you don't necessarily have to take the full week to go on a vacation. You can always do the long weekends like Labor Day Memorial Day, but then keep in mind that you're going to pay that Labor Day Memorial Day um, holiday fee on a lot of the places that you're going to go to. But say you want to take off a Friday or a Monday or a Friday and a Monday you can just go for a nice weekend trip. You don't have to, you know, throw it all on your, you don't have to throw so much on yourself um, at one time. If it's something that's giving you a little bit of apprehension or a little bit of anxiety, 
take it in small doses, maybe do a three day trip, maybe do a road trip someplace. There are plenty of bus destinations that you can get to. If you live in New York, especially if you're accessible to man, I mean, if you live in New York, you can get your ass to Manhattan. So take you um, a Chinatown bus someplace. You can go, I had a friend that just took the bus with her son, Halo, to um, Atlanta. So it's not like you're traveling by yourself, but you're surrounded by a ton of other people taking a familiar mode of transportation. It's a long ride for like if you're going to Atlanta, but it's not someplace that you've never heard of. And it's not someplace where you don't know the language. It's not someplace where you don't necessarily, where you aren't necessarily familiar with many of the customs. So um, it's not like you, you don't have to go to Thailand your first trip. You can go someplace that is um, near, near-ish by. You can go to Philly, spend a weekend in Philly. You Spend a weekend in Atlantic City if you want. Spend a weekend in Boston. Spend a weekend in Providence. There are tons of places. Go fucking go to the Hamptons. Go to Montauk. You can do trips. You can travel without having it um, necessarily be a large, grandiose scale event. So try to shift what your perception on travel is. It doesn't have to be a huge deal. Um, also, last suggestion, I think, I don't know if I gave her this one, but um, travel to an area where you know people, um, but you don't have to stay with them the same time. So if you have, say, family that lives in Florida, say you've got family that lives in Orlando, you can travel out there to go see your family, but only plan to stay with them for maybe um, one or two of the days and then venture off to stay the last two days of maybe like a four or five day trip by yourself. Um, explore the area alone or have something planned that you can do by yourself for yourself so that you can kind of get a feel or even throw it into the middle of the time with your family or just go stay with your family but explore during the day by yourself. Because keep in mind, just because you're on vacation doesn't necessarily mean that the people that you're going to see are on vacation. I know I would always go see my homegirl Angie in New Orleans during Mardi Gras time. So she still has the work because she a grown adult. So the kids are out of school, but adults is still adulting. Niggas got to go to work. So she'd get up and go to work, but it'd be me by myself because I'm on vacation, but she's not. So you've got the leg, you know, you got the wiggle room. You don't necessarily have to pay for an accommodation if you've got family that lives someplace. So go stay with them. That's not in your area and explore their neighborhood on, you know, their time. Well, not their time, but on your time, but in their surroundings. Hell, you might even be able to borrow a car. You never know. So um, work that out. You don't necessarily have to have a large scale, far away destination in mind to travel. Um, and finally, last thing I'm going to mention is, um, I have posted a, in my stories, a post from travel is the new club. Shout out to them. Um, they're one of the travel accounts that I really do enjoy following. And it says the men who check your bags outside the terminal are, are called sky caps. The unwritten rule, um, part of it is like covered, but basically you um, slide them a tip. Like when your bag is over 50 pounds, like when you know that shit is too heavy, generally overweight bags, you pay um, an additional fee for to check them. So you basically slide them a tip. They look out and you walk away. 
So one of my friends was asking me how much like, oh, I know that. But how much do you tip them? And I'm like, I don't. Because I don't believe in checked backs. So you can also avoid, um, you know, what do you call it? Um, oversized luggage fees if you just play it cool and bring all your shit stuffed into a carry on. I am 77% sure that most of the shit that I've traveled with has been over oversized. Like it, I shove a lot of shit into them tiny ass bags, y'all. But you just be nice to people when you go, um, like some places, like when I leave from, I always leave from JFK, but every once in a while you, depending on what airline you're flying, I can't, um, check in on like on a mobile device or online prior to the flight. So I have to go to the gate, check in and do all that other shit. But for the most part, if you're, if you're polite and you're just, you know, act like you've been someplace before, they don't really, you know, put the shit on the, the weight thing. You know what I mean? And then sometimes I've been overweight and people just like, all right, go, don't worry about it. You're good to go. Depends on how much over it is. I had one guy just be like, mm, girl, okay, here, just take it with you. So as long as you can lift your shit and you're not like dependent on other people to help, like to do it for you, you can pretty much get away with it. Um, also kiosks, stop dilly dallying. I remember that's how I fucking got caught up in checking a bag, fucking with Sarita and her big ass bag. And, um, she, like, I was waiting for her to get finished with whatever she was doing with her luggage. And so then the agent like rolled up on me and was like, Hey girl, so your bag is a little large. This is when I'd used uh, like a canvas bag. This way I could shove shit in it as opposed to having like the rigid walls of like the hard shell case because it was uh, winter. Like we were in Alberta, which was freezing cold at the time, all snow, beautiful scenery, beautiful hikes, beautiful experience. But of course you had to pack for cold weather. So, um, yeah, girl, I ended up having to, it was one of them touch and go bags where, you know, I knew, and I'm sure other people knew that it probably should have been checked, but as long as the plane is big enough, they don't really give you an issue. And if there is an issue with the actual, um, vessel size, they'll do, um, not curbside, but, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, gate side checking. Like if it, if there's not enough overhead space or if they look at it and they say, not nah, girl, that's too big. They'll check it for free as opposed to me checking the bag, having to pay to check the bag. And a lot of times they'll do it and it'll be done in a way that you can get the bag once you leave the, um, the, the run, not the runway. Like sometimes they'll give it to you like on the runway and you can go from there as opposed to having to go to the luggage carousel. So, um, yeah, I was quite surprised that there was that much activity in the DMS, but it made for a great conversation during the week. I had a pleasure talking to you guys. So, um, if any of you guys have any further questions about shit that I post or things travel related in general, feel free to shoot me a DM at, um, underscore D carry or at travel and shit underscore at the end of it. So, um, yeah, that's it. I think this is short. Answered your questions and shared with the rest of y'all. Have a great week. Thanks for fucking with me. Um, blah, blah, blah. Bye.